Welcome to the PGF podcast. My name is Paige and I'm an online women's health and fitness coach. This podcast is here to help you lose body fat, nurture your mindset and improve your relationship with food, exercise and your body. If you're ready for coaching, you can find more information in the show notes. Hello, it is Tuesday, which means it is the TNG method check-in day um which I just love doing so much um and the questions get better and better each week so um I'm very excited to run through them so the first one makes me laugh a little bit because it's um not usually the thing we cover but best and most sustainable gym wear um so I at the recently in Black Friday I bought some stuff from Tala and I haven't bought from them since they basically started which is like four years ago now um but if you haven't heard of them they're a more environmentally friendly alternative to your usual gym wear but their styles are really really nice I think their clothes are designed very very well I feel like they're actually made to fit the female body rather than fit like some mannequin that no one looks like um and the customer service is really good and it's quite expensive I'm not gonna lie but it lasts and I think that that's the most important thing especially if you're looking for something that's sustainable um but also it's better financially like if you're buying a 12 pound pair of leggings but you're buying a new pair every month then within like four months you may have as well have just got one pair that uses less material uses less you know um less what's the word things to produce creates less waste, all of those sorts of things. So Tal is my go-to and my favorite ones are the Sculpt Seamless. I got some, as I said, in Black Friday and I don't want to take them off. They're so comfortable, they fit so well um, and they just make your bum look amazing. So that is what I would suggest. Um, so one of the girls in TNG said that she's struggling this week with like putting others before herself and that's basically meant that she hasn't like made time for the gym because she's just running around after everyone else and I think an important thing to do here is kind of reframe it reframe the idea of training as taking time away from what you should be doing or what you could be doing and instead see it as time that you're spending filling your cup so that you are in the best possible place to help others like you cannot pour from an empty cup you cannot be your best self for other people if you know giving and being selfless and putting others first is a top priority for you it's is something you value highly you know maybe you're a mum or um a partner or you know or a daughter who you know has someone to look after then those things looking out for other people are probably quite high up in your priorities however you can still prioritize yourself and make sure that things that are important to you are put first because you will not show up at your best unless you have done that so try and reframe the idea of like oh well this person needs me to do this and this person needs me to do that and instead think I will show up at my best for that person if I have taken some time to get outside in in the fresh air if I've taken some time to move my body if I've taken some time to do something that is for myself so that's a little reframe that you can use to try and help you um put yourself first whilst not neglecting others I suppose um another question is how do you improve discipline with food and I think the first thing to do is take a bit of a step back and look at your whole lifestyle because there are so many things going on that will affect not necessarily your discipline with food, but your appetite and your ability to regulate your appetite. So things like sleep, if you have poor sleep, you are more likely to 
um, too overeat, you're more likely to have a higher appetite um, and you're less likely to be able to um, regulate your appetite and eat to um, satisfaction. You're also probably more likely to comfort eat and often when we comfort eat, we eat foods that are um, higher in calories um, and lower in volume, which means they don't really keep us full, which then, you know, adds another layer to it because we're going to end up eating more and it's going to be high calorie when we do eat. Um, another thing is like mood. So if you're having a bit of a difficult time, if you feel like you have low mood, maybe you're someone who gets affected by the time of year and the fact that it's dark, that can affect appetite as we want to seek comfort. Um, and a lot of people seek comfort through food. Um, also things like stress, if work is stressful or home is stressful or there's some sort of stress in, in your life, um, that can have an impact on appetite. It can also have an impact on stress, which then again has an impact on appetite. So I would take a step back and look at like, is it a discipline with food problem or is it a, a lifestyle problem? And can you do anything about that? And if you can, then do it. Um, and then another thing that you can think about is kind of this idea of unconditional permission to eat. And this is something that I talk to my clients about, which is that here are your you know, calorie macro targets or here is the structure that you're gonna use to structure your nutrition. However, you always have unconditional permission to eat whatever it is that you want. So say you have, I don't know, say in your day you have 2000 calories, right? If there is something that you want to eat and that takes you above that and you really, really want it, do not tell yourself, I can't have that ask yourself this is my goal this is what I need to do to get to my goal this takes me outside my goal do I do I want to do it and if you decide yes absolutely go for it honor that decision follow through that decision enjoy that decision and if you decide actually I don't think I want it that much I'm going to see if I would rather have it tomorrow um, and I can fit it in tomorrow. And knowing that I'm gonna have it tomorrow means that I can do a little bit of rejigging to make sure it fits my goals better, right? It's not saying no, it's not saying I can't, it's not saying I shouldn't, it's not saying that's naughty, it's not saying that's bad. It's just saying, I know I can have this food whenever I want it, do I actually want it? Because with unconditional permission to eat comes this idea that it removes the idea of scarcity. It removes the thought of, well, if I if I eat it now, it's gone and it's done and I definitely won't eat it tomorrow. Whereas unconditional permission to eat is if I don't eat it now, I could I could still eat it tomorrow. There, there's no reason why I can't eat it tomorrow. I can eat it now and I can eat it again tomorrow if I really want to. It's about this idea of, of abundance and it all coming down to choice. What is important to you? My goals are important to me. Okay, well maybe I'll have this tomorrow where I know that I can fit it into my calories or my macros or I can fit it into my meal structures. Whereas today it doesn't quite fit in. And because I know that I can have it tomorrow because I have unconditional permission, I'm gonna save it for then. I'm gonna make sure that I eat mindfully. I'm gonna make sure I eat slowly and I'm gonna make sure I enjoy it. And another tool that you can use, and this is like a bit of an in the moment tool. So if you're, you know, you know that there's something that you want to eat, you know that maybe it doesn't quite align with your goals on that specific day at that specific time, you can ask yourself, is it an F yes? I'm trying to swear less on the podcast because my mom keeps telling me that it makes me sound unintelligent. <laughs> um, is it an, is it a frick yes? And if it is, if it is like a wholehearted, I cannot possibly live without having eaten that. For example, my favorite donut place in Newcastle is doing a mince pie donut. Well, in October, they did a sticky toffee pudding donut and I didn't go and get it. And I have been kicking myself ever since. Now that, that is a frick yes. They're now doing a mince pie donut and I think I'm gonna um, drag on Sunday um, to come and, 
to come and get it with me because I can't stop thinking about it. That is a frick yes. However, the, I don't know, random Twix that's in our cupboard, like that's not, that's not a frick yes. That doesn't fill me with excitement. That doesn't make me feel like my day is going to be made by, by eating that. Do you know what I mean? And so if it's a, if it's a hell yes, then yes, do it because you're probably going to feel restricted inside if you don't. However, if you're like, actually, I'm not that bothered, then don't have it. And, and that's a way that you can kind of moderate not feeling like you're restricting yourself because you're not. Everything that you really, really want, you are having. But it also stops you just eating mindlessly because it's there. And that's something that you can use over Christmas as well when all the like festive foods are out and there's so much advertising and there's so much, um, you know, selling of, of abundance and all this like delicious food. You can kind of use that to be like, do I really want it? Is it a hell yes? Um, and if it's not, then I, then I won't have it um the next question is does lifting lighter weights slow down progress so the short answer would be yes but there's some nuance to it so research suggests that we need to be within one to three reps of failure so we finish our set with only one to three reps left before we cannot lift anymore and we need to be within a three to thirty rep rep range any less than that is probably not going to stimulate the muscle growth that we want. It's it's like pure strength rather than um, kind of like the repetitive nature of reps that will help build muscle. And anything more than that moves more into like cardio sort of metabolic work. It's not, it's it doesn't build muscle in the same way. So we want to be between those two rep ranges and we want to be within one to three reps of failure to build maximum muscle. So lighter weights make it harder to do that. Because, you know, if you if you're doing a bodyweight squat, say, like you could do many, 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 many reps before you got to the point where where you failed and you couldn't get back up from a bodyweight squat. Um, So it does make it harder. However, there are things that you can do to make the reps that you're doing more difficult. So things like pause reps. So say you're doing a squat when you're at the bottom of the squat, pause for one to two seconds and then come up from there. That pause makes it makes the movement harder, which means you would have to do lef- less reps to get closer to failure. Um, your, or, you know, use less weight to get closer to failure for the same amount of reps. Um, you can do one and a quarter reps. So say again in a squat, you squat down, you come back a quarter of the way up, you go back down to the bottom and then come all the way up. Um, and that can again, makes it more challenging. So you need less weight or less reps to get to failure. And I'd really focus on the slow tempo. So on the program where it says like three, zero, one, zero on a squat, it's three seconds on the way down. Um, make sure you're using those three seconds, make every rep basically as slow as you can. Um, and, and that will really help as well. But I think the thing is, is like, don't think about, is this slowing down my progress? Remember that something is always better than nothing, especially when you're new to the gym or new to training is that, there is such a thing as newbie gains, which is like you being in the absolute prime position to build muscle, like the absolute prime position. Your body is so responsive to the stimulus because it's a new stimulus. So you doing something is always going to be better than you doing nothing and you can still get amazing results. So don't let it put you off. Um, The next thing is a question, but also just like a bit of a, I was going to say anecdote, but it's not an anecdote. Basically, it's a dilemma. And I'm going to read you the entire dilemma because I think it's a really interesting one. So I've never been one to watch the scales, but it has become more present since joining the gym. Since September, I've lost half a stone. And now being ill, I've put two pounds back on. 
Now I know in my heart of hearts, the scales are not what matter. And I'm trying very hard to not obsess over them as that's been my strategy for many years and it's worked well, but I do feel deflated and worried. How do I overcome these feelings? I only went to the scales just to check because I noticed some differences in my body. I don't weigh myself every day and yet I'm falling into those traps. So a couple of things to say. One, scales fluctuate a lot, a lot. I could weigh myself at 10 different points throughout the very same day wearing the very same clothes and I would weigh 10 different weights. I could weigh myself at the same time every single day across 10 different days and I would weigh different probably every single one of those days. I could weigh myself across 10 different weeks and I would weigh myself I would weigh different at all of those different weigh-ins right the your body weight is fluctuating all the time and I think something that people forget which is something that I forgot for a really long time is that when you step on the scales you are not measuring body fat you are not measuring um you know the size of your legs or the size of your stomach or whatever part of your body it is that you find uncomfortable you are measuring the entire weight of your body, including the amount of liquid that's in your system, the amount of food that's in your system, the amount of um, just everything, the amount of hair on your head, how heavy your bones are, how heavy your skin is, all of those things are being weighed when you step on the scales. So that's something to remember. My general advice would be, if you're going to weigh yourself, to either weigh yourself daily, and this is so that you and understand the fluctuations of your body right if you're weighing yourself daily you can see that your weight goes up and down and up and down and up and down every single day also throughout the month you'll be able to see how your period affects your body weight a lot of people when they come up to their body weight increases sorry that's sam messaging me and making it go ding there we go i've muted him ha um so what was I saying? Yeah, weigh yourself every day so that you can see the fluctuations. Lots of people gain weight just before their wedding, their wedding, <laughs> just before their period. Um, and like I gain about two kilos in the couple of days before my period. That's not body fat, that's water retention because I'm bloated and because there's inflammation in my body. And so I'm holding on to water. Things that can increase your body weight are, like I said, menstruation, and a lot of these come down to water retention. So when you menstruate, you retain water. If you have higher carbs, your the carbs are stored in your muscle as glycogen, and for every one gram of carbs you eat, it stores three grams of water. So the more carbs you have, the more water is gonna be retained. Again, it's not body fat, it's not a problem, it's just how the body works. Higher sodium, if you have more salt, you retain more water. If you um, have a lack of sleep, sometimes you can weigh more because, again, you're retaining water, there's inflammation, all those sorts of things. After training, your muscles can be inflamed, especially if you do like a leg day because of the size of um, the muscles in your lower body, um, that that inflammation causes water retention. If you haven't gone to the toilet and you still have food in your system, you're going to weigh more. If you haven't had a wee, you're going to weigh more. If you're wearing different clothes, you're going to weigh more. If you've just got out the shower, sometimes your skin absorbs water, you're going to weigh more. So that two pounds, which is literally nothing. What What is two pounds? Is it? I'm trying to do the math. I think 2.2, 2. 2, is it 2.2 pounds in a kilo? 2. 2, yeah, 2.2 pounds in a kilo. So it's a kilo. A kilo is like nothing. Sorry, my maths is so bad. I'm pretty sure it's like a kilo. That's literally nothing. Go to the gym and pick up a kilo and then look at it and tell yourself, this is probably just water. And especially like if you're coming back from illness, your body is going to be inflamed. You know, if it's anything like glandular or anything like that, 
like that is all going to be like water retention and swelling and all of those sorts of things so like do not let it affect you because there are so many reasons for this and the last one is going to be is going to be like body fat gain okay the other alternative to weighing daily is weighing every six months or so and the benefit of having such a big gap between weigh-ins is that what whatever happens whether it trends up or whether it trends down that is enough time that you'll be able to see that trend and can kind of ignore the fluctuations like if you've lost say six kilos in six months your the fluctuation of your period or the fluctuation of you having not like had a poo that day is not going to be great enough unless there is something seriously wrong in which case go to the doctor there is not going to be like a fluctuation serious enough that it's going to undo or it's going to hide the six kilos of body fat that you've lost for example um another thing to remember is that we live in a world of diet culture where the smaller and lighter you are the better but I know who sent in this check-in. Your goal is to build muscle and your goal is to be strong. And strength is muscle and muscle weighs something. So when the scales go up, you should be pleased because that means you're building muscle, right? That's a positive thing. And I think it's so hard to get away from this idea. I really struggle with it. When the scales go up, I'm like, oh my God, they've gone up. Like I'm getting heavier, like I'm I'm gaining weight. Like this isn't a good thing. I've been training for four years to try and build muscle. I hope in four years, I've built some muscle, which means in four years, I should hopefully have gained some weight because that weight will have been muscle. And if I haven't gained weight, I haven't gained muscle, right? And yet still I step on the scales and when I see it's gone up, I feel disheartened and I feel sad and I feel worried. So remember that we live in this societal bubble where we're always told that if we are smaller we are better and it's so hard to undo those thoughts even if you spent your whole life avoiding the scales just try and remember that your goal doesn't rely on your weight to go down or doesn't need your weight to go down and and yes you can celebrate that if that's something that feels positive for you but remember that a lot of why we feel that's positive is because of outside influence and not because of what we want and I actually had a conversation with one of my one-to-one clients the other day where she just was struggling with the things that we had put in place to lose body fat. And I was like, do you actually want this? And she was like, I feel like society's goal and my family's goal is for me to lose weight, but I don't think I want to. And I was like, well, let's not then. Let's just get strong as hell instead. So that's what we're now doing. But I think sometimes it's important to check that. Is this your goal or is it someone else's? Um, Then in relation to the bit where you said, I only went on scales just to check. What are you checking for? What will the scales tell you that you don't already know? Because you and I both know that you are already trying your best, that you are that you are already being consistent, that you are already putting in the effort that is required. The scales won't tell you that. When you step on, it doesn't come up with a little flashy thing being like, you go girl, you've got in all your sessions this week. Or, oh my God, amazing. You've gone out for a walk every day. Or, wow, look at the amount of protein you've had. Like, all it tells you is this number that literally doesn't mean anything. It means nothing in relation to what your goals are. And the final thing is you've been off ill. And so you haven't trained over the last like week. And so your body may look different because it may look flatter. Like you may not look as muscular. And sometimes that can feel like you're looking less toned and therefore you must have more body fat. But actually sometimes it's just that your your muscles haven't been used. And so they don't have a pump like they would if you've been to the gym. And sometimes like when me and Sam go on holiday, like a couple of days into it, if, if we don't have access to a gym, Sam will be like, oh, I look really flat. And it's basically where like your muscles haven't been used. So they don't protrude as much and they don't, show as much through your skin um so just another thing to note on that um okay we've got two more questions left so 
how to handle different nutritional goals when cooking for other people. Now, this is something that I like to call macro manipulation, which is basically where you can take most meals and you can just manipulate the amount of each thing that you have based on what you want um, or like what your nutritional goals are. Okay. And these work really well with meals that have like individual elements. So for example, like spaghetti bolognese is a good one. Fajitas are a good one. What else would be a good one? burritos burrito bowls those sorts of things um anything where there's like lots of elements going together and you can kind of like you almost put it together like lasagna would wouldn't really work with this when you're making it for like a group of people but let me explain so for example if you wanted to have more protein and less carbohydrates with spaghetti bolognese have less pasta and have more bolognese with fajitas have less wraps or smaller wraps um and have more filling or you could turn it into like a fajita salad where you have like like lettuce at the bottom and then have your fajita filling and then put some sour cream on top or whatever um if you wanted it to have slightly more fat then you could just you know add more cheese or more sour cream or more guacamole if you wanted it to have less fat you could um you know pick one of those things you could maybe use fry light instead of cooking with oil um if you wanted to have more more nutrients then you would just like again i'm going back to fajitas here you could just make sure that you have you know the peppers and the onions and all those sorts of things and the chicken and then maybe like reduce the amount of like cheese those other things so it's about like picking the bits that you want and reducing the bits that you don't so like i used to make when i was cutting i used to make pasta but i would use like actually such a small amount of pasta and then i would fill the sauce with like chunky chopped vegetables and um whatever protein sauce i wanted and then when i put that together that's a pretty high protein lower carb meal because i'd have my carbs somewhere else in the day right and it's all about just that sort of manipulation so if you can find meals where each person can kind of add the bits that they want then you can just make sure that you have a more proteiny version of the exact same thing you don't need to cook with multiple pans or anything like that just when you put it in your bowl put in less pasta put in more um put in more of whatever the protein is right and that's not to say that carbs is bad but if you're trying to increase your protein whilst keeping your calories the same the calories are gonna have to come from somewhere else so reducing the pasta or reducing the amount of cheese or whatever it might be can be a good shout um, and then the final thing is high protein breakfast ideas so greek yogurt zero percent fat greek yogurt and fruit is my absolute go-to i think it's the goats like it's so easy so quick like yeah and also in winter sometimes i feel like i don't really want it because it's like cold so I get frozen berries and then I warm them up in the microwave and then that just like takes away some of the coldness protein pancakes I have a great recipe so if you'd like it in fact it's literally 45 grams of oats 110 grams of cottage cheese two eggs and some either honey maple syrup or like some sort of sweetener blend it and that's it and it's unreal um and then if you want extra protein you can put I put vanilla flavoring in Greek yogurt and put that on the top. And then I, again, get my frozen blueberries. I put them in the microwave so it turns into like a compote and I pull that over the top and it's unreal. Um, you could have cereal and a protein shake or cereal and a protein pudding or literally like whatever breakfast you want and a protein shake. Um, you could have like a sausage sandwich, just be careful of the calories. I go for like chicken sausages or reduced fat sausages. If you're veggie, you could have a veggie sausage sandwich. Um, Lynn McCartney are the best and you can cook her standard veggie sausages in the microwave for two minutes and it comes out exactly like if you put, put it in the oven so I would highly recommend those um a bacon sandwich you get bacon medallions or just cut the fat off have that it's a great high protein option or egg muffins where you can just like put them in a muffin tin put in some like peppers or like bacon bits or whatever vegetables you want and you can meal prep those and then just keep them in the fridge um or you can make an omelette 
so there's some options for you anyway i'm gonna end this podcast here because it's been quite a long one um i hope that it was useful um and thank you so much for sending in your questions as always i very much enjoy going through them